שלום עליכם, שבוע טוב. כולכם ברוכים תהיו רבותיי. This is Rabbi Elbaz from uh, SLC. Uh, I know what's on everyone's mind right now is the immense tragedy that has, has happened in our community where seven innocent children, seven innocent souls have been taken away and recalled by the Almighty. Seven innocent children went up in flames. This is like a korban. We're talking about the korbanot. V'chol ha'am yivku et ha'serifa asher saraf Hashem. The whole nation will be crying for this burning that Hashem uh, did. We don't understand all the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Aaron HaKohen lost his two children, Nadav Avihu, two great tzaddikim. He says, Vaidom Aaron. Aaron silenced himself. We are all silent. We don't know what, what happened over here. This is a little bit reminiscent of the time of the Holocaust where people, survivors nowadays, have lost their entire families. Baruch Hashem, the parents, are still in this world, but as we all know, their life will be changed almost forever. We hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help them in the future and that they should never see any grief or sadness. They should only have happy occasions. We hope that Hashem will help them heal from the trauma that has happened. And we hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu shall stop from us this Korbanot again. So speaking about the Korbanot, which is what we said in the parasha yesterday, I, the Meshach Chochmah says that, it says, Zot HaTorah La'ola La'milha La'hatat La'asham La'miloim Uzebah HaShelami it says that this is the Torah for the Olaf, for the Minha, for the, these are the various different kind of korbanot that we have. And the Gemara Masechet Menachot says, what does that mean? Zot Torah Tahatad, Zot Torah Tahasham. This is the law of the Korban Hatad, the law of the Korban Asham. And it says, Kol Ha'osek Betorat Hatad, Ke'iluhi Krif Hatad. A person who spends time in studying the laws of the Korban Hatat, which is a sin offering, it is as if he actually was offering an actual sin offering, Hatat. And so on. Each one, if a person is in the law of the Minha, the Minahot, then he is like his Mikri Minahot. This is a, a great statement because 
There's no other mitzvah that we know of that follows the same principle. In other words, we don't say a person who's osik be Torah tefillin, it is as a puran tefillin. You have to put on the tefillin or to be your sin in the tefillin. If you're osik be in the mitzvah of sukkah, it's not the same as if you actually sit in the sukkah. You have to sit in the sukkah. There's an obligation. Those are the mitzvot. But here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, Instead of the korbanot, if we do the prayers, if we pray to Hashem, we learn His Torah. And if we learn the Torah of the Hashem or the Minha or the Hatat, it is as if we are makriv, the same korban. I'd like to go back to one thing, see where this korbanot originates altogether. Where did it come from? How did it happen? Korbanot were given to Abu Dazara. And this is before even Yitziat Mitzrayim. How did Abu Dazara come up? Rambam in Allahot Abu Dazara brings it up. He talks about this point. First of all, we know that Adam Arishon was created by Hashem. So Adam Arishon knew Hashem. Hashem spoke to him. No question about it. Then his son and then the grandson by Endor Enosh, as Rabbam says, in, in the generation of Enosh, the grandson, people started making a mistake. What's the mistake? The mistake was that since Akadosh Baruch Hu is the one that created the Kuchavim, the Mazalot, Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that created the Kochavim, meaning the uh, stars, and all the celestial bodies in order to also control the world somehow, like in astrology, and he, he put them in heaven. So they figured that being that these are the servants of Hashem, then they also should be praised and should be given respect. Just like uh, if a king, for example, sends an agent of his, a messenger of his, as an official representative of the king, he goes to one of the different towns, and then everybody's going to give respect to the, king, to the messenger. Not because the messenger himself per se, but because he is, he acts as the agent of the king. Same thing over here. Then, once they got into that idea of uh, recognizing and giving respect to them, later generations went further and they actually started bowing down to them. And then there were false prophets that came and told them, oh, 
this and this particular uh, store is for this and that and this. And eventually they started bowing down not only to the stars, but also to animals. To, to, the, to, the, uh, uh, to the lamb, the tale, like the Egyptians. And, the, 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 uh, and the, to also to uh, different kinds of animals. So according to the Ramam, he says, Therefore, Hashem, in order to remove the Yeserara of Avodazara from the Bnei Israel, because they were so already involved in it, being so many years with the Egyptians, then because of that, Hashem told them, take those same gods, the Taleh, the lamb, or the ox, or the goat, and bring it as a sacrifice to me, to Hashem. Here, they will definitely see that one the, these that's supposed to be the gods. Now we're slaughtering them, and they have no kawah whatsoever. No, there's no, there's no power to them. They can't do anything. And this will show them that they are worthless, and they only will be bowing down to Hashem. This is what. This is what the uh, Rambam says. Now, the Ramban, he says differently. He says, no, sacrifice is not uh, for that purpose. Sacrifice, he says, is for bringing a person closer to Hashem. Korban is from the word karov, to bring a person near Hashem. When a person sins, is distanced from Hashem. When he brings the korban inside the, the temple, and he makes a, he, he, uh, he atones for his sin, then he becomes closer. That's what the korban is supposed to be, kapara, for the sin. Now this is what Ramban says. Now, what happens now? How can we reconciliate these two opinions? Then the meshech hokma says the following, the Rambam was talking about the days before the Bet HaMikdash. In the days before Bet HaMikdash, when there were only Bamut, there were only temporary type of altars. At that point, he said, the main reason then was to remove the Yisrael. However, once the Bet HaMikdash was built, now we can go on with the reason of the Ramban, that the main reason here is because a person sinned, as he sinned, he brings a korban to remove, to atone for the sin. But then the Ramban also says, we have to understand something. The idea of bringing the korban is not just to bring something. I mean, a rich man can bring an ox. A regular person can bring a, a, a sheep or, or, or a poorer man, maybe uh, uh, two doves. And a real poor man might bring flour. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's not looking at the quantity. He's looking at the quality. And if we notice... 
It says in the Torah, by the real poor one that brings the flower, it says, V'nefesh kitakrib. Nefesh, a soul, when he brings, what does he bring? Minha, flower, together with some oil and frankincense. That's the minha, a soul. And Rashi says, it doesn't say nefesh in all the other korbanot. Uh, only here. Why? Because who is the one that brings the minha? The ani, the poor man. So Hashem says, it is as if he himself actually was sacrificing his own self. Now, there are some hachamim uh, uh, that ask the question, what, what kind of a minha are we talking about? I mean, the minha that the Torah talks about is at least a isaron solid. Isaron is rough around a gallon of of, uh, of flour. A gallon of flour is quite expensive. It's not, not, it may be more expensive than two doves. Right? But the answer there is the following. A poor man usually can get flour for nothing. How? From leket, shikha, or pe'ah. These are the three mitzvot that have to do with a farmer, the owner, when he harvests his land. He has to leave leket, Shikha and Pea corner, or whatever he forgot, or something that fell down, he leaves him for the poor. So actually, the poor can get these things from that. That's the answer to that. Because what about nowadays? Well, nowadays, we don't have these things. We, there's no There's no Vitamigdash, there's no Korbanot. So I heard from the name of Ramoshi Feinstein Zechis Tadik Levracha. It says, Adam Kiyakrib Mikem Korban Lashem. A person who brings from you, Mikem, Korban Lashem. Why does it say Mikem? Why Mikem? It doesn't have to be from you. Anybody has Makriva Korban. Kiyakrib Korban Lashem. What is Mikem? This Mikem comes to tell us that nowadays when there is no Beta Mikdash, a person should still sacrifice his time his effort, his funds towards the, a, 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 an institution of prayer like a Bet Knesset or institution of Torah. See, this is something similar to what the Korban was in the past. Here, you give a Korban of yourself. Mikem, Kiyakrib, Mikem, Korban, Lashem. And this is not something very simple. He says in Masechet Abot, all those people that actually toil and work for for Sibur, they should do it Lashem Shamayim. And then the Zhut Avotam Atam, they have a Zhut Avot that will be helping all the time. Their the righteousness in doing their work will stay with them forever. It's not it's not so simple. It's something that really has a tremendous reward when a person does something for the benefit of the community, for the benefit of the synagogue, or the benefit of a yeshiva. At the same time, even in our mitzvot, every one of us also sacrifices his time. Why? 
Hey, it takes time to go to the synagogue. It takes time for to go to the prayer, to do the prayers. It takes time to go to the shiurim. You should give sacrifice. You should sacrifice from yourself, your time, your effort, your toil, in order also to perform Hakadosh Baruch. Now we see Hakadosh Baruch who looks at the heart. It doesn't look at what a person actually gives. And there is a beautiful story in the Gemara about King Agrippa. King Agrippa was a great-grandson of Herod the Great, Hurdus. And he, at one time, he went over to the Beit HaMikdash and he told him, you know what, today we're going to close the whole temple. Don't take any korbanot from no one, only from me. I'm going to bring in 1,000 olot. 1,000 korbanot. It was a decent king. Bring korbanot like Fine. So the same day, around noon time, a poor man comes in with two doves. And he goes to the Kohen and says, I would like to bring the uh, a korban of these two doves. And the Kohen says to him, I'm sorry, I can't do that because we have instructions from the king that only his, nobody else. So he starts pleading with him, begging him, look, I'm a poor man. Every day I go to the forest, I catch four doves. Two of them I eat, two of them I bring here to the, every day to the Beit HaMikdash. And with the zechud of that korban, the next day, HaKadosh Baruch gives me panasa, and gives me another four. This is my panasa, please take him. And the Kohen agreed. And he took those two doves and he made them a korban. That same night, King Agrippa had a dream. And the dream was that from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he says that those two doves that that poor man gave are just as good as all the 1,000 olot that you, King Agrippa, gave. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at the effort that a, that a person uh, does for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hashem is not interested only in the materialistic thing, the Zebahim, like we see from Shaul HaMelech. Shaul HaMelech, the famous story, Shemuel told him, go ahead and annihilate uh, Amalek. But he came back, he did not annihilate Amalek. Well, he did uh, uh, most of the, uh, uh, of the job, but he left uh, the, the animals there. He left King Agag over there. And he came to Shemuel. When Shemuel came to him, he said, Shaul says, Kiyamti Devar Hashem. I, I, I uh, fulfilled the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What do you mean you fulfilled the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? What about all these things that you see? I hear them. All these animals that you have here. He said, well, these are the better ones. We brought them for uh, Korbanot, Lashem. And he says to him, Shemuel, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu interested in the Zabahim Ve'olot? Is not. Hashem is interested in you listening to his voice. 
listening to what he said to his instructions. If you listen and you do the mitzvot, then you don't have to bring any korban in the first place. Prevention is the best medicine. Don't sin and don't bring, then you don't have to bring anything. Unless it's a korban nidava. Sometimes a person feels he wants to give recognition to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he brings a korban nidava. That's fine. That's a pledge. No problem. When you a person brings a korban, he has to show humility. That's the whole idea. The fact that his sin is atoned, is mechaper, it's because he comes here, he shows his humility to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, recognizes Hashem, regrets what he has done, and promises that he won't do it again any longer. Humility is what we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Moshe Rabbeinu, right here, it says, Vaikra el Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he uh, called Moshe Rabbeinu. And Vaikra has Aleph at the end. That he called him. Lashun Hiba. Hashem liked Moshe Rabbeinu and he called him. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't like the idea it was, he was actually anav. So he didn't feel that it was uh, right for him to show that Hashem really likes him so much. So he wanted to remove the Aleph. It'll be like Vayikar. Like Vayikar Elohim El Bilam. Like Bilam, Bilam. When Hashem came to Bilam, it was just, you know, by accident. Just like that, you know, just happened. That's what he wanted. Hashem told him, no. Write the Aleph. But then, in order to compromise, he figured, okay, he's going to write Aleph Sa'ira, a small Aleph, because of his humility. But from here, we learn a big lesson. Because you might ask, why didn't Hashem let Moshe Rabbeinu write Vayike without the Aleph? To show, to give, to teach the world a lesson on humility. And but the, because there is a bigger and a greater lesson to teach the world by the fact that it was Vayikra and not Vayikir. Because Vayikir has the implication, the connotation that things are happening by accident. It just happened. In, in our religion, nothing just happens. Everything is controlled by Kalashwar. Whatever happens to a community, to a nation, to the world is all controlled and directed by Hashem. And there's a big lesson that we should learn. Actually, we just finished, uh, I mean, Purim was not long ago, and we read the story of Esther. And if you notice in the story, the name of Hashem is not even there. But then, when you read the story of Esther, and you read every single event that happened. If you take each event by itself, say, well, well, I mean, it could have happened. Okay. So he called his wife Zeresh to come. She didn't want to come. That could have happened. You take another event by itself. 
Haman was a slave, and he became a big shot, became prime minister. That could happen. They had a beauty pageant. Esther was selected by itself. That could happen, even though she was a Jew, and there were so many Persian girls in the Persian Empire. But when you try to put the whole story together, this event and that event and that event and that event, then you see to yourself that, hey, this is not possible. It can't be a coincidence. All these things happening at the same time cannot be just a coincidence. This is the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is going around and controlling everything. We have to understand Rabotai. Everything Hashem does, He has His own reasons which we do not understand. We don't understand the Holocaust either. We don't understand why the seven beautiful souls had to be taken away. But we have to continue in our belief that Hashem knows what He's doing. He controls the word, the world. He has whatever He does is just and correct. And if we don't understand it, it's because, hey, we're humans. We're not God. We can't understand it. This is very important in Emunah, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Emunah in our Torah, in Emunah in everything. And just like by the story of Esther, Esther actually was the last Sefer of Ketubim. And over there, the Shem is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name is not mentioned, but we know for sure that the hand of Hashem was there. Then everything that happened later than that, where Hashem is not galui, it's not revealed, but we learn from Esther that despite that fact, everything, whatever decrees have been decreed upon the Jewish nation in our history, and whenever decrees were actually proclaimed and later on, they were taken back. It's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when we say, many times we pray, we say, Ki niflaot. Please HaKadosh Baruch Hu, show us wonders like the days of Mitzrayim. Why? Because the days of Mitzrayim, they were the miracles there were not hidden miracles. They were revealed miracles. We talk about the splitting of the sea. That's a revealed. Nes galui. We talk about the man, the manna, the, the food raining from, uh, from heaven. That's a nes galui. The ten makot. These were actually seen that everybody saw. So we are hoping also that in the future will also show us here our community and all Jewish communities around the world and in Eretz Israel when they will be gluim then the world will see yes the God of the Bnei Israel is the real God. And it will happen, Be'ezat Hashem, when the Mashiach Tzitkenu will be here soon, we hope, very, very soon. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will show us Niflaot.
where the entire world will recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu. want to remind you again about SLC. We have a, a nice, beautiful hall. If you have any Simachot, please, you can call us. We can accommodate you. And try to help out this station as much as possible. Thank you. Tisku l'shanim rabot.